In the sixth chapter of Matthew, Jesus talked about a problem that is universal. It's a problem some of you are perhaps wrestling with today. A problem that some of you have today that you've talked about perhaps this week. And that is the problem of worry. Everyone worries, don't they? Everyone. It's America's favorite pastime. If you're four years old, you worry about the the dark room and the monster that's under the bed. If you're uh, 13 years old, you worry about pimples on your face and will you be accepted in school. If you're 18, you're worried about getting into college. If you're 19, you're worried about flunking out of college. If you're in your 20s, you're worried about, will I ever get married? If if you're parents, you're, you're worried about your children. If you're adults, you're worried about your job. Some people are worried about their health. They've got very scary health issues they're dealing with. Uh, Some people worry about paying the bills. You've got bills you can't pay. You're not sure what to do. All of us worry. In fact, this is such a prevalent problem in our society. I'm not making this up. This is such a prevalent problem in our society that for the fun of it, because you've always heard the phrase, there's an app for that. I looked up worry just at the app store. Now, don't do it right now because you'll get distracted. And, but there are pages and pages and pages of apps for worry. I'll just tell you about a few of them in case you want to go back. I'm not endorsing these. I don't know anything about them. I'm not endorsing these. But there's one called Worry Watch. It's an anxiety journal where you write down there all the worries that you have and you go back later to see if they turned out as bad as you thought they would. I'm, this, I'm serious. That's a real app. There's another app here called SAM, S-A-M. It's a self-help for anxiety management app. Uh, there's another app called Seven Cups. It connects you with trained volunteer listeners. If you're worried about something, you need to talk to somebody about it. There are trained volunteer listeners on this app that will listen to you. Talk about your worries. There's another app here called End Anxiety. It's to train your mind to let go of anxiety through hypnosis. My favorite one is, is this one. I know you can't see it from where you are, but it's called Bye Bye Butterflies. Uh, it's seven ways to breathe out worry. I didn't know that's all you had to do. Was just, just kind of breathe it out. Worry and anxiety is a very real problem in our society. It also was a very real problem even in the days of Jesus. In fact, it was such a real problem that Jesus spoke about worry and anxiety in the most famous sermon in all of history, the sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, He gives us a promise that we can hold on to when we begin to worry. There's a promise you can hold on to when you begin to worry. He said, well, what is the promise? Well, before we get there, let's just start in verse 25 and work our way through the text. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Jesus addressed this subject of worry, and he, he, he addresses it by, first of all, talking about the most basic needs of life. 
The most basic needs of life are things related to our body. What we'll put in it and what we'll put on it. What we'll put in it, the the food that we need to eat, what we'll put on it, the clothes that we need to wear. And Jesus said, let's just use those as an example. Jesus said, you're so concerned about what you'll put in your body and what you'll put on your body. Now, for some of us, we would say, that's, that's kind of a lame and tame word compared to the worries that I've got. I, for some of you, you don't worry too much about what you're going to put in your body. You don't worry too much about what you're going to put on your body. But in that day and time, you need to understand, in that day and time, those were critical issues of life. Those were things that you struggled with to survive. So when he talks about what you put in your body, what you put on your body, those were critical problems of life. And so Jesus said, let's talk about what you worry about the most. And he gives this singular command that's in verse 25. Look how he says, therefore I tell you, Jesus is speaking, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Stop being anxious. Do not worry. Now the word worry literally means to be pulled in different directions. The Greek word literally means to be pulled apart, to to be pulled in one direction by your hopes, to be pulled in another direction by your fears, and worry literally pulls us apart at the seams. That's the word picture behind this word worry. And Jesus said to these people who were doing that, Jesus said to these people who were being pulled apart at the seams, here's what he said, do not worry. And that, that's kind of like telling somebody, do not breathe. You know, you can do it for a while, but then you're going to start back, right? And to tell somebody, do not worry, okay, we'll try that. How long is that going to last? About as long as I can hold my breath. Because these are really big problems that I've got. These are really difficult issues that I'm wrestling with. So why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say, do not worry? It's not that you don't have anything to worry about. It's not that you don't have real legitimate concerns. That's not the reason he said that. It's not that you don't have anything to worry about. It's that you've got someone watching over you. That's what I want you to understand today. You've got someone watching over you. To illustrate that, Jesus said, look at the birds. Verse 26. Look how he describes it verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, would you note something here before we get into it very deep? Would you note that he did not say their heavenly Father? But he uses this phrase, your heavenly Father feeds them. Birds don't have a heavenly Father. Birds have a Creator. But Jesus didn't say their Heavenly Father. He didn't say the Heavenly Father. He didn't say their Creator. Jesus said, your Heavenly Father. He was pointing to someone, even as He was speaking. So let's keep reading. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. And here's the question. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's using some lordly logic. The lordly logic is this. 
If God, who is your heavenly Father, cares enough for the birds to take care of them, doesn't it make sense that He cares even more about you? Because He's your heavenly Father. I don't know if you read the Almanac. I don't really read it as, uh, either, but I have looked at an Almanac before, and I have found out that there's going to be a bad winter. One of the predictors is that all the berry bushes will have lots of berries on them. Do you think that's coincidence? No, it's not coincident at all. It's God taking care of the birds. I remember one time when I was in college, and I think I've told this story years ago, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, but when I was in college, I cannot remember if it was freshman year, sophomore year, but, but it was between semesters. We were home for Christmas break, and I was there by myself, and we had lots of snow on the ground. Uh, Mom and Dad were off at work. I was sitting there by myself. We were living in Limestone, Tennessee at the time. I was sitting in the living room, and I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Some things are foggy in my mind. This is not foggy. It is absolutely clear like it was yesterday. I was sitting in my living room worrying about where would I get the money to go back to school next, next semester. I didn't have it. And though my mom and dad didn't tell me, I knew they didn't have it either. I'm between semesters. I don't have money to go back to school. I know God has called me to preach. I know God has called me to, to go to school and prepare myself for, uh, for the ministry. And yet I don't have the money that I need to go prepare I'm between semesters, where am I going to get that money that I need to go to college? And again, mom and dad didn't say they didn't have it. I knew they didn't have it. And I worried and I worried and I was just sitting there. TV wasn't on, nothing. I was just there by myself sitting in a rocking chair and I was worrying myself nearly sick about I don't have the money that I need for next semester. God doesn't speak to me in an audible voice, but this was very loud and very clear. God said, get out of that chair and go look out the window. Now, I'll remind you, there was snow on the ground, and it's not like the snows. You know, here, we had a good snow this past weekend. It was four inches, but in Tennessee, when it snows, it snows. Now, I don't remember how much it was, but we had a good snow. I went to the, had a big picture window in the front of the house, and I went to the picture window, I looked out, and my yard, my front yard was filled with birds. And they were all eating something. We hadn't put out anything. They're all eating something in the snow. And again, I didn't hear an audible voice, but God said to my spirit, as loudly as I'm speaking today, if I can take care of them, I can take care of you. And He did. What He taught me through that experience is this. You have someone watching over you when you know God. That's what Jesus said. Your heavenly Father feeds them. You have an advantage birds don't have. They have a Creator. You have a heavenly Father. If Christ is your Savior. And then he says in verse 27, just working our way through the text, we're not at the promise yet, but in verse 27 he says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Okay, raise your hands. How many of you have ever been able to add an hour to your life by your worrying? Of course, no hands go up. 
Some translations translate that differently as saying, how many of you can add an inch to your height by worrying? And again, no hands go up. Here's Shorter's translation of verse 27. Why are you worrying? It does absolutely no good. Right? Doesn't improve your situation at all. How many of you have seen the Tom Hanks movie, the fairly new Tom Hanks movie, Bridge of Spies? Raise your hand if you have, please. All right, three, not many, all right. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I saw it when it first came out. And it's a movie about a Soviet spy in the United States that is captured. And Tom Hanks is his defense attorney. Now, this Soviet spy was called Rudolf Abel. It's based on a true story. And Rudolf Abel was this tiny little old man, kind of a frail little old man, who was just even kill. He, he never showed emotion. He was always the same. He never, he never was up. He never was down. He was just always even kill, the same emotion. Didn't matter what was happening. He never seemed to be upset about anything. Never seemed to be worried about anything. And in in one scene in the movie, in fact, it happened several times throughout the movie, but in one scene in the movie, they were in a courtroom and Tom Hanks was sitting beside him. It was kind of a tense time in the trial. Tom Hanks turned to, to uh, Abel and, and said, aren't you worried about this? Do you ever worry? And the little man said, would it help? And he said that throughout the movie. It's my favorite line in the whole movie. He said it probably three or four times in the movie. Aren't you worried? You may be taken back and shot. Aren't you worried about that? Would it help? So what Jesus is saying in verse 27. Would it help? Have you been able to add anything to your life by your worrying? Then he uses a second illustration in verse 28. Look what he says in this next illustration. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all of his splendor. Go back to the days of Solomon. Just think back to the days of Solomon. And Solomon and all of his splendor, not even he was dressed like one of these. And here's the lordly logic in the next verse. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is saying your faith has nearly been crowded out by your worry. But if God is so concerned about the flowers of the field, don't you think your heavenly Father is concerned about you? Now, we're getting close to the promise, so keep reading and watch it carefully. Look at verse 31. So, do not worry. There's that phrase again. So, application, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or 
what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father. He's not just your Creator. Your heavenly Father. You have someone watching over you. You have an advantage that the birds of the air and the flowers of the field do not have. They have a Creator. You have a heavenly Father. And your heavenly Father knows what you need. You might want to even underline that phrase. Your heavenly Father knows. You see, it's not that you don't have something to worry about. If I had to go face what you're facing tomorrow, I would probably have worries myself. If I had the bills that you have to try to pay this month, I would probably worry myself. If I had to deal with some of the stresses and strains you're dealing with, I would probably worry myself. But Jesus said, it's not that you don't have anything to worry about. But you've got someone watching over you. And the more that you believe that, that you've got someone watching over you, the less you'll worry. I'll let that sink in for a moment. The more you believe that there is someone, capital S, watching over you, the less you'll tend to worry. Now, all of that brings us to the promise in verse 33. The promise is this. But seek first His kingdom His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. But seek first His kingdom. His righteousness. Here's the promise, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't miss this promise. Jesus said, if you will put God first and seek God first, then that someone, God, who is watching over you, will take care of your needs. If you put His will and His agenda and His kingdom first and foremost in your heart and in your mind and in your life, then He will take care of you. Now, how do you live that out though, right? That's the big question. How how do you do that? How do you live that out? Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious. There's there's the same phrase we saw in the words of Jesus because it literally means do not worry. Same thing we saw in the words of Jesus. Do not be anxious about... What's that next word? Anything. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about my teenage daughter that's giving me fits? Do not be anxious. Do not be torn apart at the seams 
about anything. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about that bill that's due tomorrow? Do not be anxious about anything, he says. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What about, what about, you could do a lot of whatabouts, right? You've got some whatabouts in your life. And yet, here's what Paul writes when he says, do not be anxious, do not be worried, do not be torn apart at the seams about anything. But in everything. Everybody say everything. Not in some things, but in everything. Look what he says. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Present your requests to God. Why? Because. Listen, listen, listen. You have someone watching over you. You have someone watching over you. And because He's watching over you, you don't need to be anxious about anything. But in everything, you can talk to Him about it. And when you talk to Him about it, And the peace of God, verse 7, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you have faith in your Father, when you have faith in your Heavenly Father, and you put Him first, He will meet the needs of your life. Because, listen to me, Your needs never exceed His ability. Never. Your needs never exceed His ability. And so I want to close with one more scripture. Psalm 54.4. This is one of those three by five card verses. What I mean by that, this is one of those verses you probably want to write down on a three by five card and put it on your refrigerator or your mirror or something. Psalm 54, verse 4. I didn't get to go to this verse in the last service because I was running up to you, but you get to hear it today. Psalm 54, 4 says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Surely God is is my help. I have someone watching over me. And though I have legitimate things to worry about, I choose not to worry because I have someone watching over me. And I'm going to claim that promise that that someone, God, is watching over me. Surely, God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. The Lord is the one who sustains me. What a testimony when a Christian can say that. And how tragic when a Christian doesn't. How tragic when a Christian is caught up in the worries of life and they forget the someone is watching over them. Your heavenly Father knows what you need.
Let's pray to Him right now. I want to give you three words just to put in your mind as you leave today. Three words I want you to hang on to this week. First word is the word faith. Trusting God to meet your needs. Faith. Trusting God to meet your needs. The second word is Father. Knowing that your Heavenly Father cares for you. And the third word is is first. Put Him first in your life. Thank You, Lord, that You do care for us and You've shown us that You care for us and that You provide for us in every way and every detail. I thank You, Father, that You are the God that meets all of our needs. You are the God who sustains us. You are the God who helps us. And when Satan wants to tear us apart at the seams through worry, remind us that though we have something to worry about, we have someone watching over us. And may we put our lives in your hands. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.